You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. A non-Jew had come, maybe he was a Christian fundamentalist, who knows? We talked about them before a number of weeks ago. He came to Davin in the Kotel Maravi, and he sees there's a Jew there. And he says, look, I don't know how to pray these prayers in this holy place, but maybe you could pray for me. Pray, this is what I need. So the question is, the non-Jew was in a, the Jew was in a quandary. Should he daven for this, for this, for this non-Jew? And, and let's say, uh, you know, it, let's say this would be, he needs to daven for someone else. Maybe someone else sent him to the Kotel to daven for him. Maybe he's at the Kotel because somebody sent him special. And now a non-Jewish tourist approaches him. Should he daven for him? And sh- should the non-Jew take precedence? Is there any possibility? So this is what Rav Zilberstein uh, answered. He said, if you look at the Mogan Avram, the Mogan Avram says, and here's a little picture. See, there's a little picture. I don't know. I guess this, maybe this is the non-Jew. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and maybe this is the fellow that he's going over to ask. You could maybe uh, suggest that's what was going on. Okay. So maybe just get it, making it alive for you with this little picture. Thank you. Okay. So the Mogan Avram says that when there's a non-Jew in the house and you're benching and there's a non-Jewish worker or someone who's there, maybe someone, uh, and you say, can you varech osanu? And it seems to be everybody at the table, everybody in the room, you need to add the words b'nei brit. Why? The Mogan Avram quotes the Rishonim, the Kolbo, that you're not supposed to give a bracha to a non-Jew. And what is the reason why? Remember what we learned about yesterday. Lo tichanem, lo tichanem, which we talked about yesterday, not showing them favor, not doing anything so positive towards them. So maybe in this case, in Rav Zilberstein's case, uh, well, Rav, the non-Jew doesn't understand what you're saying about him. So, <laughs> you, okay, so Moshe is saying, don't daven for him. Say yes, I'll daven for you. In other words, lie to him, in other words, right? No, 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 no. That's not what I said. I said, if you say Otanu, Otanu, so he doesn't know, so you're not being to the goy. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't, right, but, but, but you are helping a bracha happen. In other words, you need to stop the bracha. Lo tichanem, the Mogan Avram says, means don't let him get a favor from you. In other words, you benched, right? You did birchat amazon. That gives you the schut to ask the Rabboni Sholam for a special bracha. And maybe Hashem will give it to you. But if there's a... If there's, okay, so that's what we saw last night, Sheila, from, from Rav Sternbach. Rav Sternbach wanted to say that maybe lo tichanem only applies if he's, uh, you know, if, if he's from the... Uh, he's an idolater, he's from the Sheba Umos, right? Uh, but the Mogan Avram was talking about, uh, you know, non-Jews, that they're part of the household in a way, they're here. But you don't, by saying that, you're limiting the bracha to bichal on the non-Jew. So maybe here too, maybe the goy comes over to you, and maybe, maybe you should just, what should you do? Should you daven for him? So let's see what uh, Rav Zilberstein answered. Rav Zilberstein says, look, it's one thing in the case of the Mogan Avram. In the case of the Mogan Avram, the goy is in the room. Here, the non-Jew is from America, let's say. He made a special trip with his with his people f- to come to Israel, and he wants to come to the Wailing Wall. 
clearly he Okay, so Jackie, the Goyim would show up, you're right, by Sukkot. That's when the Medrash yes. and the, it tells us by Sukkot they would show up. I don't know if they were there at Pesach uh, or by, or, or by Shavuot. But, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi yes. and I would like to correct. The prophetically, the Nevi'im said in the future that's going to happen. The fact that the Christians are rushing it, it doesn't say that should do it right now. They say in the future. Meanwhile, meanwhile no, no, we bring on Sukkot sacrifices, 70 sacrifices in, 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 in our, <laughs> for the sake of all, all 70 nations. We do it. Jews do it. Okay. All right. So both of you are correct in a way. Yes, the non-Jewish people did show up in the Beit HaMikdash area and Sukkot. We do have records of that. And you're also correct that we we do see the Beit HaMikdash as a place for all nations to realize where their tefillot can be answered. You're both correct there. And in the future, that's what we are davening for. But right now we're talking about a man comes to you at the coattail and says, pray for me, please. Uh, and let's see what he says. He says that this man obviously believes in God. He also believes there's something great about the Jewish people. And he feels the Jew can daven for him. Therefore, if Zilberstein says, it's a Kiddush Hashem for you to do it. Now let's talk about the Pasuk in the VM that Shlomo Melech said. This is what Shlomo Melech said when he inaugurated the Beit HaMikdash. Let's see what he said. He said, here it is, here's the Pasuk. Um, he hears how great God is. He makes a trip to Eretz Yisrael. And Shlomo says that's what the base of Mikdash is going to be. He's going to pray to this house, to this spot. And 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 what did what does Shlomo say? Atatishma You're gonna to listen to that guy. You're gonna to listen to that non-Jew. And you're gonna answer him and give him what he wants. So everyone should know that God is great. That was Shlomo Melech's tefillah and his, his definition of what the Beit HaMikdash was. Rashi points out, Rav Zilberstein tells us, in that pasuk, that if you say, when Shlomo Melech talked about the Beit HaMikdash working for the regular Jew, it just said, You give each person what he needs. But by the guy, it says, he'll give him, it sounds like a guy is going to get more from davening at the, at the Beit HaMikdash than the Jew. So Rashi answers that question with a very big Yisod. What does Rashi say? And it's probably based on the Gemara. Rashi says, the Yisrael is makir b'kodesh baruch He knows what God is. And he knows that God could sometimes say yes, sometimes say no. Sometimes the tefillos don't work now, but they work later. So he figures, okay, I, I'm not zoche. 
I davened, I went to the Kotel, I went to the Kvarum, I did whatever I could. <laughs> but a non-Jew, even though he has an inspiration, he hears how great God is and how great the Jewish people is in the temple, but if he doesn't get his answer, he's going to say, eh, what is that? Everyone's saying it's so great. This is Rashi saying. I came and I made it here. Nothing happened. You know what? I could have stayed and davened to, to my getchka at home. I could have davened to my elephant god. Why did I have to come here? So that's why Shlomo begged God that when a, when a, a non-Jew pours out his heart, answer him. Because this way, Otherwise, he's going to go and say the, Judea, the, the Torah is not true. A Jew, Shlomo Melech knew. Shlomo said, look, I don't want you giving a person a gift. Everyone should get what he deserves. But when the non-Jew comes, let's give him a... God, give him even more. So Rav Zilberstein, very, very gishmak, says, so you see that Shlomo Melech asked from HaKadosh Baruch Hu that Tfilos HaVanochri should be accepted for Kiddush Hashem. And that's one of the purposes of Beit HaMikdash. Ki Beiti Beit Tfilah Yikarei Lechol Amin. Now, that was the Beit HaMikdash. But what about the Kotel? Is the Kotel also the same thing? That what's left at the Kotel is meant also like the Beit HaMikdash and therefore we're, we have to understand how important it is for the non-Jews to also have their tefillot there. Um, you might even say, if there's a question of davening for one or the other, maybe you should actually daven for the non-Jew first. Why? Because if the non-Jew gets answered, he's going to say, look how great God is. And by the way, I've heard stories from non-Jews who have been at the Kotel, and they'll come back and say that their prayers were answered when they when they went there. I have heard non-Jews tell me this. So anyway, so there, there's a mitzvah Kiddush Hashem. But let's say I'm going to daven for a sick person. Who, who, so there, I'm just doing the mitzvah of Aftarecha Kamocha. I'm not doing the mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. So that was from Zilberstein Suffolk. Um, that and he says his his father-in-law says something similar um and, and therefore um you know he quotes his father-in-law in some different regard but he never spoke to his father-in-law about this question but I thought it was an interesting question and so that was our segue here's some more kotel laws of the kotel here's another one <laughs> an American Jew. Okay? Maybe he's up in this picture too somewhere. And what does he do? He gets to the Kotel Maravi, and after the Tfilah, he puts into the into the stones of the Kotel money. Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever seen that. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I don't, it makes sense that people should do it, that it should happen. When the rich guy left, a, a poor Jew saw the money, the money sticking out of one of the bricks. And he says, yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm an Oni, right? Why can't I take it? All right? 
maybe this is the Yoni who's finding it. I don't know. <laughs> so, what would you say? Do, do you think he has a right to take it? Uh, what do you guys think? I know uh, uh, I will get to the answer in a minute. What do you think? You think the Ani has a right to take it or you should leave it there? I think most Why of you... Not? What do you what do you say, Jackie? You think he could take the money? <laughs> you think he left the money there for tzedakah? There's plenty of schnorrs. There's plenty of people asking for money there. Why didn't if you wanted to do right? Take a look. Here's yeah, but he could have given it to this guy. He decided to put the money in the wall, right? <laughs> What do you what do you say, Richard? Okay. Anyway, it's a good question. So, right, Jackie says, "Let the poor guy take it." What else is he putting it for? Right. Let's hear what Rebel Yoshev said. So the question must have happened, and and Rebbe Zilberstein asked his father, Rebel Yoshev. Eliyoshev says, let's think about it. Just exactly what Jackie was saying. Jackie, you could have been with Rebel Yoshev. You never know. <laughs> he says there's two possibilities. Maybe what he's trying to do is this money is hectish. This is the base on Mikdosh. This is the leftovers of the base on Mikdosh. And maybe what he's trying to do is, uh, is what? Is to be mocked or something for the money. Who knows? He's making it hectish. Or, you could say, like Jackie was saying, he's giving it there because he wants Aniyim to come and get it. But Rav Yoshev says it's a suffix, what he means. So therefore, you have to be machmir. Now, we know when the Gemara says, in Bizman if a person says, I'm making all my stuff hectish, we, we don't uh, accept that. Uh, there has to be clear that he means it. But here, you don't know that he really means to make it hectish. So therefore, um, but Rebel Yoshev said, isn't, doesn't it seem that's what he's after? Why else did he stick it into the wall of the Kotel? Maybe that's considered like he's trying to be makdish money. Now, what's the din if you're makdish money today? What's the halacha? This is what Rebel Yoshev makes you think. What's the din if you want to be makdish money? You say, this is hektish. There is no base amikdash. What do you do with it? So the Gemara Navodah says that you're not supposed to say this money is for hektish today. You're not supposed to say, I want to give Erechen today. But if you do, so what should you do? If it's an animal that you made hektish, you actually, uh, you actually, you let it die. And if it's, let's say you're makdish Fruits, your maktish clothes, your maktish things for better kabayis. The shame hektish is here, even though there's no base on mikdash. There's no base on mikdash, but the shame hektish works even today. And therefore, you have to let them rot. And let's say it's money, the Gemara says. What do you do? You take it to Yama Melech. Now, Yama Melech doesn't mean you have to take it to Yama Melech specifically, but you take it to a place and you throw it out to the, a place where nobody's ever going to get it. Now, the Raivad says, what does it mean that you throw it into Yama Melech? The Raivad says, but you can, you are allowed to be poda the hektish. 
The same way hectish works today, you can be poda hectish as well. What does poda hectish mean? Poda hectish means that you replace what you gave with something else. And in fact, the Raivad says that you're allowed to be poda with a pruta. <laughs> you're allowed to be poda with a pruta. And you can throw that pruta to the Yamamelech. So if the Ravid is correct, and the Kesef Mishnah says that the Ravid and the Rambam don't really argue, so if that's true, Rav Yoshev says, then it turns out that you can actually, even if the uh, the man means, when he the rich guy, when he put it into the Kotel, he meant to be Maktishit, you could take it out and be Machalo the Kedusha that the man put into it on some other money. And then that other money, you have to take the Yama Melech. Now, <laughs> the Gemara says in, in Erechen that there is an opinion that it holds. You have to at least be poda, a pruta is a bazillion to hektish. It's an insult. You have to at least do our bazoos. Okay. <clears throat> um, now, if there's a real base on Mikdosh and there's Korbonos, then it has to be equal. But since there's no base on Mikdosh now anyway, and it's not being rebuilt necessarily this moment, you have the right. To, to be potent, maybe whatever, you figure out what four zoos is. And therefore, um, you're allowed to be potent, or hashulchan paskins that way and well, um, and you are allowed, he says, you can throw it away if you don't want to be potent, because you did something wrong, but you are allowed to be potent. Rebel Yoshev therefore said, you know what you can do? Um, um, you can't just throw the money away. Because there's a suffix, he meant it as tzedakah. And even on the tzad, that it's called hektish, you can be poted. So find out what arbazuz is in today's money. You can figure that out. What is arbazuz of silver in today's money? If there's a lot of money, take that to the Yamamelech. And the money can now be given to any oni. Or if the guy himself is oni, he can take it. That was Rebel Yoshev's psak. You have to be a godel to know how to pass in a shayla. <laughs> that was Rebel Yoshev's psak about money that was found in the kotel. Let's do one more, two more things about the kotel. Um, here was an interesting shayla. Uh, I think it was asked, I'm not sure if it was asked to Rebel Yoshev or not, but uh, here's, I think it's Rebel Yoshev, yeah. This is, yeah, I think Rebel Yoshev was involved in this question as well. Um, this is an image of what was dug up uh, in one of the uh, excavations in Harabayas. So it was a very big deal in the news that this might have been a Machzas HaShekel. So if this was the Machzas HaShekel because it was silver, so now the question is what, again, the, 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 the Haifa Museum or the Tel Aviv Museum or the Yerushalayim Museum, we know what they're going to do with it. But what should you do if you discover today in the Harabayas, what do you do if you discover in the Harabayas today this, a coin from the time of the Beit HaMikdosh? What's the halacha? So, we said that if something is hektish, remember, you take it to Yamamelech, maybe you could be po to it, right? The reason why you take it to Yamamelech, as Rav Zilberstein says, is because you don't want to be nana from hektish. You don't want to keep it around. 
So, if this comes from Hektish, so, you have to take it to Yama Melech. Because, remember, somebody, this was given by, this might have been given by one of the Klal Yisrael as part of the Matanos to the Beis HaMikdash every year. And that's what it was in the Trumas Alishka. However, Rav Zilberstein says, take a look in the Gemara in Bava Metziah. Gemara Bava Metziah says, it depends when you find the money. The Gemara says, let's say you find a shekel, just like one of these shkolen. Let's say you find it in Yerushalayim. Where do you find it? You find it where the anim- where the farmers are that are selling their animals. The ranchers are selling their animals. I'm sorry. There you have to assume it's Meister Shani money. Why? Because that's what people did with the Meister Shani money. Let's say you find it in Harabayas, which is where they found this, in the area known as Harabayas. What's the din? Hulen. You don't have to say that it's hectish. And in Yerushalayim, if you find it during the year, it's chulin. But if you find the money uh, around Yontif, you have to assume it's Meiser Shani. Why? Why is Harabayas considered chulin? We know that if it was during Yontif that you found it, isn't it somebody with some Meiser Shani money or, or something like that? Because he says... Even though this week, most of the people here are here for Yontif with Meiser Shani money, but the whole year round, it's probably not Meiser Shani money. It, it, it might have been Hulan money of somebody who happened to be in the Harabayas and he dropped the money. So therefore, the same thing should be here too. They found this shekel. Most of the Shkolem were not Hetish. Most of the Shkolem were regular currency. So if this shekel that they discovered, you don't have to treat it like it is ektish. Um, and therefore, you go bust a rove, and rove tells you that it was probably chulin. So those are three questions that have to do with the harabayas. Let's go with one other point here, which is uh, something that many people uh, are concerned about. Let's take a look, which is Going to the base, I'm going to the Kotel. This was a question that was asked to Rav Steinman Zatzal. They asked Rav Steinman, let's say uh, there's a group of guy, people going to the Kotel and they haven't been there for a month or whatever. And now you have to rip Korea, right? You have to, you have to rip Korea at the Kotel. So can, can basically everybody wear the same jacket and then give it to the next guy? In other words, maybe each one will do Kriya, but they're all wearing the same jacket. And each one will give the jacket to his friend. And this way, right? Um, Kvodarab, yeah. if it's in summertime, by the time it gets to the third person, it's going to stink to high heaven. <laughs> but you know, Moshe, people try to get what? out of... Do- yeah, go ahead. You know people try what to get out mean? of Kriya. Yeah, go ahead, Sheila. Wouldn't they need to keep tearing it more and we'll be Yes, yes, that's time. right. Well, each one will rip a little bit, right? But maybe that's a good way. This way, you know, only one jacket becomes the carpet, right? So, and each person is mocking it to the next one. So, Rav, Rav Steinman said, it's okay. <laughs> it is possible to do that. But then they asked another, another shtick. What's another shtick for not doing Kriya? 
what happens is, let's say I, me and, uh, let's say me and Moshe go to the Kotel. So I say to Moshe, Moshe, I want you, I'm makna you my shirt. Here, take it with the Kinyan, uh, however you pick it up or whatever. It's, I do with Chalipin, I'm makna you, I, I rent you some space. And with that, I, I give you my shirt. So now I'm wearing your shirt. Okay? So you don't do Kriya if it's not, it has to be your shirt, doesn't it? So maybe that's another shtick you could do. Because you can't be Machai of a person do Kriya on a beggar that doesn't belong to him. And then I'll do this, and then you'll do the same to me, and then I'll do the same for you. So Rav Steinman thought about this question, and he said, that doesn't work. That much I don't think could work. That will not work. Um, by the way, Rav felt that you can put a petek in the kotel as long as you don't put your hand in there. As long as you don't put your hand. Be careful, he says, you can put a hand in So I want to show you that Rav Steinman's psak that Rav Chaim Kanievsky disagreed with it. I'll show you Rav Chaim Kanievsky. Rav Chaim Kanievsky is a sign, and they were mechutonim. Chaim Knievsky says, first of all, uh, he quotes from his father-in-law, his father, that the stipler, when the stipler lived in Benebrak, when he would go to the Kotel, he would close his eyes from the time he came to the Iratika till they got to the Kotel, because he didn't want to do Kriya twice. Because the the the, 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 the Brisa says, when you see Yerushalayim Bechorbano, you do Kriya. When you see the place of the Beis Amikdash, you do Kriya. So this way he kept his eyes closed. And that is also the minag of Rav Chaim Kanievsky. That when he comes, when he does come to Yerushalayim, I know the last time he was there, and he goes to Iratika, he keeps his eyes closed. Okay, now this thing that we saw from Rav Steidman. He says, you can't be makne, the beged, to someone else, to be put up from Kriya. Why? Rechaim understood it properly. Why is it that I don't do, let's say I borrow Moshe's shirt, a beautiful shirt, and then after the wedding, we decide to go to the Kotel. That's my first time. Uh, Rabbi, Rabbi, yes. Rabbi? Yes. You just gave me an excellent business idea, selling sackcloth uh, near the Kotel. There are people, people there are there are people that do that. There are people that, that actually give shmatas for people to wear. But let's talk about a situation oh, that... Wait, let's talk a situation like this. Um, you're right. So it, it might be a good business idea. But I think there are people that actually do that. But anyway, let's think. So I had to go to a wedding. And I asked Moshe Eliezada, my good friend, uh, if he can lend me a nice shirt so I could wear it, uh, a jacket. After the wedding, I say, oh, I'm leaving for, I'm, I haven't been to the Kotel yet. I got to go to the Kotel. So I go to the Kotel. Why can't I rip Korea? Because I, I can't do it with an Aveira. I can't destroy or make a Hezek in Moshe's object, even though I'm there. We don't say there's a mitzvah that can be, that, like I'm allowed to destroy Moshe's property. Okay, that's the reason why you don't do Kriya. But Rav Chaim Kanievsky says in the case of the shtick, where I am, uh, I am makna Moshe's, I am makna to Moshe, my shirt that I'm wearing now, Moshe doesn't care if I rip it. Yes, the Kenyan worked. 
I did Khalipin. It was 100% a Kenyan. But even though it, Moshe owns it, there's no Kfeda. Moshe doesn't own it in a way that he now is Makbid, that, 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 that I should rip it. And even if Moshe will say, yes, you're wearing my shirt now, and I am Makbid, you should rip it, we know that's baloney, Reb Chaim Kanyevsky says. Ain't that cool? Because we know that the, he's really not Makbid. The only thing is, right, what you, what you want is for someone to be Makayim the Halacha. And therefore, even though it is Moshe's shirt right now, I still would have to rip it. Because you rip what, it's, you know, it doesn't have to be your baggage. It's not a din that you have to be wearing your own clothing. If it's someone else's clothing, you can't do gazela to be makayim the mitzvah of Kriya. But here it wouldn't be gazela because it's obvious that, that, that Moshe would not mind that I'd be ripping it. Um, okay, so that is uh, also, Rav Chaim says, let's say the same thing, let's say I make it hefker. Once again, it doesn't help. There's no din that the beged has to be mine. A borrowed beged that you're hired for own sim, that you pay back, right? A borrowed beged, you would do kriya. Why? Because you, when you borrow it, the person knows it could get ripped, right? Whenever you lend something where it's totally borrowed, and maybe that's different than the case I just said a couple of minutes ago. But when it's a she'ela, I didn't read, I should have prepared better. A regular she'ela, I might have a right to rip it because whenever you lend someone something, you know he's going to pay you back if something happens to it. However, uh, to make it hefker doesn't, uh, doesn't help. And therefore, uh, if you're allowed to do it, you have to do it. Okay? Now, when you do Kriya on the Beged, when you do Kriya on the Beged, you don't have to keep on wearing it the whole day. In fact, even at the Kotel, you could take it off. It's not like I'm an Ovil and I have to sit with the Beged ripped at the Kotel. You do Kriya, and then you could either take it off or put on a different shirt. You did your Kriya. You don't have to be Korea every single shirt that you wear. You do Korea once. And that would be good enough. So that would be a... Uh, um, so, so those are some halachot of... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 